was at three years old, I decided I was tired and I was going to crawl up on my brother's top bunk, slide under the covers, and right next to the wall, lay on my stomach and fall asleep. So for anybody looking up, they could not see me. Luckily, my dad is over six feet tall, he had a different vantage point, and he found me sleeping. Not necessarily doing anything that I shouldn't have been doing, because what parent of a child does not want their three-year-old when they are tired to go take a nap? Um, and not necessarily somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be because I was allowed to be in there. But I was lost and I had no idea. And that brings us to our verses this morning. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my last coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I had always heard of, you know, the parables, you know, the three lost things. Right? So before this, you've got the parable of the lost sheep. A sheep that's in the fold, it's part of the family, that accidentally wanders off. The shepherd goes and finds it and comes back. Brings it back and it rejoins the family. And in the last one, you have the parable of the lost son, which is somebody who purposefully wanders off and chooses to come back. And we normally get the imagery that Jesus was trying to portray in this, in that lost people can come home. Whether it's God going and literally pulling them out of the muck that they're in and bringing them back, or them realizing that they need to come home. But in this parable, talking about the one that was never in the family in the first place, that is lost and has no clue. An inanimate object like a coin can't know that it's lost. It can't flip on its side and roll off the table on its own. The story just tells us that it's lost. And similar to me at three, has no idea. A lot of times children, when they're lost, they know they're lost. I remember being lost in the grocery store once and panicking. But when you're sleeping, you have no idea. Just like the spiritually sleeping people all over the world. Some of them think they're fine. Some of them just don't care. And some of them have no idea. What are we doing about it? See, there's 6.3 million people in Santiago. And this is the reason that I'm going. There's a generation coming through the universities 
that either have no idea that they're lost or just plain don't care. One of the things that I will be having the opportunity to do is work with small groups in the universities to create disciples with an attitude of creating disciples who create disciples. Reaching a few who reach the many. Because there's an entire city that has no idea that it's lost. 60% of whom are culturally Catholic and think they are fine. 3% of whom attend Mass regularly and because of the Catholic Church there probably have no idea that it's not good enough to just be baptized, but that they need a relationship with the Savior. But how many people in Chisholm are sleeping in this morning or having fun with their families and they aren't in church and they have no idea that they're lost? What are you doing about it? It might be your neighbor, it might be your coworker, it might be in your family. Some of them may know that they're lost and they really don't care. They're spiritually sleeping. Are we desperately asking the Father to wake them up? To look at it from a different vantage point like my dad had when I was sleeping. Say, will you look, will you find them? Will you help me wake them up and bring them into the because God cares about them. It took me until about college to actually figure out this parable. I had said the three lost things in the parables in Luke chapter 15 all through my growing up years in junior Bible class. It's a question, and I, you know, was the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son? And like I explained earlier, we generally understand the lost sheep and the lost son. But it wasn't until I was trying to figure out a sermon in college that I went, oh, when God reminded me of the story that I just shared with you. And then I went, wow, okay. Because it's not something that we normally easily get. But the thing is, the cultures that are coming through, the millennials and the younger, that are coming through are some of the first generations in this country that did not grow up in church as a majority. I nannied for a couple of years, and uh, it was interesting. I hadn't been out of college very long, and um, I was looking for a job, and I had actually joined this online site to try to find a nanny job for a friend. And so was not looking in that aspect. And I get contacted and he goes, are you still looking for a job as a nanny? And I was like, oh, I never really was, but sure, I'm looking for a job now, so I'll meet with you. And as I got a little bit more information, I found out that there was two kids with a third on the way. Three, two, 
and a newborn that was about to be born. And I was sitting there going, that's a lot. I'm like, I'm not their mom. I've never dealt with this many kids for that long, regularly. And they're the only one in charge. But I decided to go to the interview, and I remember going, God, if you want me with this family, then you got to tell me, or I'm telling them no. They were around my age, a little bit older. And I looked at them, and as they started to talk, they said, yeah, our daughter's going to be in preschool at the Christian school this, this fall. So it'll just be you with the two younger kids at home for part of the day. And I was like, okay. And I'm assuming, since they said Christian school, that they go to church. So I asked them what church they went to. And they said, oh, we don't go to church. And the mom looks at me and she goes, I grew up going to so many different churches because my mom is mentally unstable that I just don't go. I don't like it. I've heard so many different doctrines that I just, I just don't go. I was like, okay. And the dad goes, I didn't grow up in church, so we don't go as a family. But we want our kids to be educated enough so that they can make an informed decision when they get old enough to decide whether religion is for them or not. And I went, oh, got it. And at that moment, it was God going, you can feed into this family's lives, into the lives of children that will have the opportunity to choose for themselves. <coughs> and as their daughter would come home from preschool halfway through the day and she would start singing songs, she would look at me and she would remember some of the words and then forget some of them. And I'd sit there and I'd start singing with her. And her little brother looked at me and he's like, how do you know these? And I went, well, I grew up with songs like this. Like, I'm in the Lord's army and Father Abraham. And I started doing the actions with her and the kids just looked at me like, what? Because mom and dad didn't know these songs. But I did. And I could help her remember the words so that they would actually stick with her as she grew up. And it was interesting being in this home and looking at the kids and having them go, hey, will you tell us a story? Sure, I'll tell you a story. What kind of story do you want to hear? I want to hear a princess story. Go, well, how about a story about a queen named Esther? Or I'd look at him and I'd go, have you ever heard the story of David and Goliath? And we'd be sitting outside on their playset. And all of a sudden, instead of wanting to be the pirates and the kids on the TV shows that they watched, they wanted to be David that took down Goliath. And me being the tall one ended up being Goliath most of the time in the games. But that was okay because they were learning God's word. What are we doing to reach our communities? Because for most of us, it's not walking into a house and pouring into the lives of children every single day. 
but it might be walking into work and pouring into the lives of your coworkers every single day. Being spiritually ready when you walk through that door to deal with what's going on. Have a coworker walk in and tell you a problem, and instead of sitting there going, oh, you look at them and you go, can I pray with you about that? Because most of the time, it's going to be living out your faith in a daily way. That when they find out you're a Christian, it does not surprise them. I had a friend who worked in some corporate offices for a bank for a while. She said, Regularly, she would have coworkers who she wouldn't otherwise talk to walk in the door and look at her and go, I'm going through this, will you pray with me? Because the people in her office knew she was a Christian, knew she would pray with them, and watched her live out her faith in a way that made them want to go talk to her. <laughs> in scripture, and I don't have the reference, I'm sorry. I know it's in multiple gospels. Where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, don't worry about what you're going to say when you stand before the magistrates. The different authority. Because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Give you the words. And if we're really walking in the Spirit, we're going, God, I want you to guide my steps. I want you to tell me who to talk to today. That same concept that Jesus used with, he'll give you the words when you're talking to the magistrates, also crosses over to when he tells you to go talk to somebody. When you go talk to somebody, is it you or is it God? Because you sitting there going, oh no, oh no, oh no, what am I going to say? And I've been there before, I know. It shouldn't be that, though. Because if he asks us to go talk to somebody, there's something he wants to say. And are we making sure that we are living in such a way that when he asks us to do that, that we're going, okay, don't let me get in the way. Let them be your words and not my words. And walking in under the power of the Holy Spirit instead of our own. Because it doesn't matter whether I'm standing up here, and like Pastor Micah said earlier, that it's God's words coming through me and not my words. But it doesn't matter whether I'm up here or you're talking to your neighbor. The concept should be the same. Because God desperately cares about your neighbor and your coworkers and your friends and your family. He wants to see them saved. And maybe he's asking you to be his tool. Just like he's asking me to be his tool in Santiago Chico.
you've seen missionaries come through and their pastor Mike is gonna ask for your pledges today. And that's what we do. We follow the call of God where we're going. Matthew 28, 19 says to go and make disciples of all nations. Whether that means your calling here, where you are, or my calling to South America. We're all called to make disciples. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what we do, whether this is vocation or not. We're called to make disciples. That's right. Are we doing that? And are we teaching those we do that with to duplicate that and go make more disciples? Because just the people in this room probably can't reach the entire city of Chino. But if you reach your neighbor and they reach their coworkers, who then reach their neighbors, it's doable. But is it happening? Because there's a city that is spiritually sleeping and has no idea. I've mentioned that I am going to a city called Santiago. but I can't do it without your help. First of all, I need your prayers. Because I'm walking into a spiritual battle. Satan owns over 98% of the people in that city right now. And he doesn't want to lose a single one. I'm walking into a battle for souls where their eternity is at stake. Will you pray with me that we will be able to not only reach them, but to raise up godly leaders who will reach others? One of the things that I'm gonna have the opportunity of doing is working with the university students themselves. Now the university there looks a little bit different than it does here, where our campuses are generally one large campus, their campuses are smaller campuses spread throughout the city based on department. And so on one side of the city, you might have the science department, and on the other side of the city, you have the education department. And somewhere in between, you might have the medical sciences department or the law department. And they're all spread out. There are three different universities all spread out throughout the city in small campuses like this. Up until this, until this point, the couple that I'm going to work with has basically targeted one university with 18 different sites. They have ministries on five of them. And one of the things that I will be doing is going in and using part of my degree from North Central in leadership development to go in and disciple the student leaders of the small groups on those five campuses to make sure that what they are teaching their small groups is biblically sound and is evangelistic in nature.
making sure that they stay spiritually healthy. They are discipled as they disciple others, who hopefully go out and disciple others. We are creating leaders in the community who are then going to be tomorrow's doctors and lawyers and judges and business people all across the city of Sunnyside. Who can reach a city that is unreached. Statistically, Santiago would be an unreached people group. I need your prayer. But I can't do this alone. But I also need your financial support. Because I not only need to go and get there, but I need to stay there. And that's one of the things that your pledges this morning help missionaries do, is to stay on the so this morning, will you help me not only go, but to stay in your Yes, thank you, Julie, for the challenge, the encouragement, the message. I think she hit on a lot of different truths throughout the message there. That parable is one that I think oftentimes we do have a hard time understanding, or maybe we have a lot of different ideas of what that parable can mean, um, or have a lot of different concepts of, of what it can mean. And so thank you for bringing light to that. And I think that illustration was a great illustration that you shared as well. And it just, it, it makes it easy for us to understand and um, and so this morning we are going to receive a love offering in just a moment we're not going to receive that yet because I do want to explain our pledge cards as well so this morning when you received your bulletin this morning inside of it there should have been a pledge card that was also uh, in your bulletin if you did not receive a bulletin this morning um, Dennis on the table next to you there there is a stack behind the tissue box there there should be a stack of pledge cards there um, if anyone did not receive a pledge card this morning um, if just please put your hand up um, we want to make sure if you did not receive one and you would like one we've got a few here a few on the back and so um, Dennis is going to quick hand those out and so please just keep your hand up we've got one in the back and a few over here on the right hand side here Dennis um, and so I just want to take a moment and explain those and so I'm just going to read through it and so the reason we do these mission pledge cards is because uh, each year uh, we, we have you fill these out in October or through November so that way in 2019 we'll be able to look at our missions pledge cards and go okay I can look at these and say we have pledged $930 per month Towards missions. So that way I go, okay, I know we can, by faith, believe that we're going to have $930 per month that we can pledge to give towards missionaries on the field to help sustain them and, and keep them on the field, as Julie talked about. Because love offerings are great. Love offerings are what can send missionaries out. They're what help get them onto the field. But love offerings don't help keep them on the field. Love offerings often aren't, aren't great for keeping them there. They need our support to keep them out on the field. 
And so uh, just some numbers. Here's some statistics of where we are at right now. And, and these are numbers that we've been at as a church for a number of years. I didn't go back in way back in the history, but I know for the last number of years, we've been sitting at these same numbers. Uh, we've supported 25 missionaries or agencies um, for a number of years, on average for about $30 a month. Um, and, and our total comes out to $805, so don't do the math because it's not exactly $30. Some of them are a little more, um, but our average is $805 a month. That's what we give in missions every month is $805, um, or it comes out to $9,660 a year. That's what we give each and every month to missions. Um, and so my desire, or my, my dream that I would love to see in 2019 and moving forward, I'd love to see us next year take on two new missionaries. That's my desire is to see us to be able to take on two new missionaries. That means that would require us to up our giving from $805 to $865 a month. It means we'd have to up our pledge to $60 a month. And so here on our pledge card, if you read it, there's three different options on here. The first option, I want to regularly support our missionaries with a pledge of a given amount per week or month. And there's an option you can circle, I'll give so much per week, so much per month. The second one, I want to give a one-time gift to missions in the amount of blank dollars, and then you can put a date on there. The third one is, for now, I will keep this card as a reminder to pray often for the church and its missions effort. And then on the bottom it says, because of your gift, Chisholm Assembly of God currently supports 25 world, U.S., and local missions works. I'm believing that God will help me to remain faithful to this pledge it's an exercise in faith in your name. And so when we receive our love offering in just a moment, we're going to pray also that God would, would place a number on your heart that it is that you would give in missions. And, and I, I don't necessarily even want you to put this in the offering today if you don't want to. We're going to collect these over the next three weeks. So I want to encourage you, maybe take some time over the next couple weeks and just pray and, and seek God. What is it, God, that, that you desire for, for my wife and I or our family or, or as an individual for me to give permissions. And as it said on there, this is an exercise of faith. So I'm not, it, maybe not what's comfortable. Okay, yeah, I can give $10 per month. But maybe God is going, but you've given 10 for years. Maybe it's time to step out in faith and say, maybe God is urging you to give $20 per month. You know, and so I just want to encourage you uh, to take some time and pray and consider what it is that God is asking you to do when it comes to the area of missions. And I know we have some individuals in our church who have given faithfully for missions for years and they don't fill out a pledge card. Um, and I appreciate the faithful uh, giving and, and to missions. Um, but the reason we do these pledge cards is so that way we know what we have coming in so that way we can take on new missionaries. It's hard to take on new missionaries when we don't necessarily know what we're going to be having come in as far as pledges go. Um, but my desire is, is that we would love to be able to take on Julie and take on another missionary in the coming year. That's what we want to be able to do is increase the missionaries that we have already and, and to be able to add more to the support that we have. And so um, 
at this time we're going to receive our love offering. And so any checks can be wrote out to the church, and then we will give her um, one check at the end. And so uh, everything that goes into this offering will be given um, to Julie. And so just so you know that. And so and if uh, you do know what it is you would like to put on your missions pledge card, you can feel free to drop that in the offering basket this time as well. Otherwise, you can feel free to hang on to that uh, and turn that in one of the next couple weeks as well. So, Father, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you, God, for the message um, that you have delivered through Julie this morning. Father, we just pray that you continue to, to help us to, Father, just process through that and, and think through this idea of what is it, Lord, that, that you have for us to do in our lives, God, that, that sphere of influence that you have given us, the people you brought around us. God, some of them are sleeping. God, and some of them just don't care. But you brought them around us in our lives. And so what is it that you want to do through us, Father, to help them to wake up? God, may we be in tune with your spirit, God, to hear what it is that you're wanting to do. May we have ourselves prepared and, and walking in line with you and in tune with you so that when that opportunity comes, God, we'll be ready to, to, to answer the call, God, to be ready to have the conversation with them, to, to be ready to, Lord, just be used as a tool of yours. And God, we just pray now as we receive this offering, God, we just pray that, God, you would just bless Julie and the ministry, God, that she is going out to be a part of in Chile, God, and just the partnership that she has with the missionaries that are there. But God, we just pray you bless their efforts. God, bless that ministry. And God, we just pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon that city, upon the university, upon those students, God. And we just pray that they would just find favor, God, there with, with the individuals, God, that they're working with. God, that they would just see revival take over those campuses. God, that the, the spiritual deafness, the sleepiness that's there, God. We just pray for a spiritual awakening to take place. God, even now, before she gets there, we pray you would just continue to prepare the soil. God, we just pray, God, for that. And as she gets there and she continues to train and encourage God and come alongside the, the leaders that are already there, God, we just, we just look forward with anticipation of hearing reports, God, of what has taken place. God, as your spirit has just fallen upon um, God, that ministry there, and so we just pray for that. God, we thank you for today and this opportunity that we've had to gather together here in your house. We just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.